theyeshiva.net. for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to do this presentation on this extraordinarily auspicious day. Chavdalah Tev is the yard site of the Altareda. On a personal note, I owe a tremendous uh, debt of gratitude to the Altareda. I didn't grow up uh, in, with Hasidus Chabad, although I do come from Hasidus family, uh, but I didn't have any knowledge of um, when I was 13 years old, I can't explain why, I had a very strong desire for, for inner knowledge, for deeper knowledge, for the esoteric, for that which is beyond the, the outer body of Torah. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I tried to quench my thirst by learning all the svarim that were available to me then, um, which weren't the ordinary svarim in the Bachram usually learning yeshivas. I learned all the Musr svarim, works on ethics, and I learned the svarim from uh, Mahshava, Maral, for as much as a 13-year-old can understand Maral. And I learned uh, different Hasidic svarim of Mahshava, Shemuel, Svasem, it's different, different works. And, but I didn't quench my, my thirst, it didn't satiate me. I, I knew, I didn't really know Tanya, I heard the name Tanya, but I never knew that the, the, the profundity, the depth, and this is the, the gateway to this uh, endless divine knowledge called Hasidus Chabad. And when I was 17 years old and I was learning in the Lithuanian yeshiva, a friend of mine um, invited me to come with him, I should say rather slept me to come with him for Shabbos to Kfar Chabad. And over there I never did to hear the first year of Hasidus ever, from, uh, and that was an outlet with by Rabbi uh, of a Zalman Gavin, and I remember 20 minutes into the minor, into the discourse that we were learning, I was in sheer bliss and in ecstasy. I was ready to, I was literally jumping out of my skin and ready to scream and holler, Gavow, this is unbelievable! And uh, since then I've been learning Chassidus, and uh, I haven't yet entered even into the corridor of the vast world of Chassidus that there is, but I did dedicate my life in the last couple of years to the spreading of Hasidus and to try to share that special gift that was given to me with as many people as I can. Um, today I would like to present to you a thought in the book of Tanya, uh, which I think is very revolutionary. Um, really the entire book of Tanya is a revolutionary book. Uh, I don't know of any Sefer, not that I learned that many Svarim, but I don't know of any Sefer in the world that revolutionizes the reader to that degree, like the Book of Tanya. Every parak, every parak is a revolutionary idea. It's transformative. Changes our entire outlook upside down, inside out. It's incredible. Um, yet I chose in this particular parak because we have to choose something, and this is very practical. And I think uh, 
comes very in handy in everyday life and something that, that we can only implement and integrate into our psyche, into our, into our lives. We will be much happier people and live a healthier life, both physically and spiritually. So this is in the end of chapter 12, Perikid Bays, the last couple of lines of the Perik. Um, we human beings are social beings, and we're constantly having interaction with other people. We don't live in isolation. And in the course of these many, many interactions, it's inevitable that we will not get a perfect. Someone will step on our toes, someone will offend us, someone will insult us, insult us intentionally, unintentionally. These things happen all the time. And the question is, how do we react? What's our feeling? So first, of course, there is the impulsive, natural react, uh, uh, reaction in which we want to lash out to the other person. We're going to teach them a lesson. What do you mean? You slap me, I'm going to knock your teeth out. You uh, insulted me, I'm going to uh, embarrass you in public. You're never going to want to show your face in this community ever again. You cheated me, I'm going to put you out of business. That's the natural reaction of a person. Well, that is forbidden in the Torah. That's, uh, the Torah says, well, it's secret. But if we can't do that, at least a person feels, I, have, I bear the right to have resentment. I'm entitled to my anger to feel enraged against you until you apologize, or maybe even after you apologize, but at least until you apologize. Let's see how the altar is in Tanya recommends and uh, guides us in terms of our reaction to other people when they have hurt us, in small things and in bigger things. So, over here the altar is addressing the person known as the top of the Bainani. I'm sure in the course of the day the Bainani will be brought up. Uh, but just briefly, the Bainani is the perfect person that everybody can aspire to. The Tzaddik is someone who is uh, beyond the aspirations of ordinary people. The Tzaddik is an extraordinary superhuman being. Not everybody has the capacity to be inside. But Bainani is something that we can all achieve. And therefore, the model of the Bainani is something that we all, all should follow. So when we see how the Bainani reacts to an insult, to a pain, or any kind of aggravation, suffering that they suffer from someone else, we know that's the path we need to follow. So he says like this, I'm reading nine lines from the end of page 34. Now, so it is also in matters between a person and his fellow. Instantly, when it, when it, ar- when it ar- arouses or arises, from the heart to the person's brain, any type of animosity, or any kind of jealousy, or anger, or a grudge, and the like. Obviously, it's because someone did something to you deserving this kind of a reaction. You have animosity. He's talking about resentment, of rage, and feeling of a strong uh, of hatred to another individual. So what happens when those feelings, when the emotion is erupting and it's gushing forth all this negative energy from your heart, because your heart is bleeding, because your heart is hurt, someone maliciously offended you and it hurt so much, and you're feeling so enraged, and those feelings are rising from your heart and they're seeking to go into your mind, so that you should contemplate it. So what the Bainani does is he rejects that, that thought immediately. Ain't on the Kabbalah, he doesn't receive them, doesn't accept them at all. The Moichah in his brain, the Pritzainah, and in his will. To willfully accept those thoughts. And further them. The Adarabin, on the contrary, This person has such extraordinary self-control that the mind is able to dominate and rule over the spirit of the heart. That impure feeling that's in the heart. 
Lastly, is to do a hepachmanish, the exact opposite. Not only am I going to lash out and teach the person a lesson, but you do the exact opposite. And what is that? So the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe says, it's nagin chaleim, right? To conduct yourself with your fellow, but midas chesed, with the attribute of kindness. It means you're going to be doing kindness. You're going to return kindness for that, for that pain that they caused. But not only your kindness, which is more of a behavioral thing. The Alter Rebbe adds, the chibu yaseyeno mudas loy, and added affection, extra love, you're going to display to this person. Which is taking it to a whole not only kindness. Kindness sometimes you can do. It's an external thing. Even your heart is not there. You can you can be angry at your boss and you can open the door for them when they're carrying the coffee, right? And you can be muttering at the same time under your breath. So that's a kindness. But he's talking over here about feeling love, extra love. You're going to show loving care and kindness to this individual that has aggravated you and caused you so much pain. Well, these women need to suffer from them. I could say I the very extreme limits, not to be angry at them. And definitely not to pay them back as they would deserve. And not to do that. To respond and to bestow to those that are guilty favors. You're going to do extra favors for this individual that has brought you such harm. The Zohar says that that's what we're supposed to learn how Yosef treated the class. Now, it goes without saying, and it's, it's a little difficult to clearly define this, but this must be said, that when a person is in a continuous abusive relationship, if a husband is beating his wife, or, or someone is uh, the recipient of extreme verbal abuse, or any other kind of serious abuse. Um, the alphabet is not saying just lay back and uh, accept it all and enable this to continue. Of course, in those situations, not to make the mistake, Hasrashon, for the class today, that this is what the alphabet is expecting you to do. Uh, of course, in those situations, you have to seek counsel and um, follow the guidance of a mashpia, a mentor, a rabbi. It should be, a, however, an empathetic rabbi, a caring rabbi who can really sense and feel, feel what you're going through. And they will advise how to react to the situation. And that's, of course, uh, uh, not what he is talking about over here. He's talking about over here the ordinary uh, frustrations, the ordinary uh, things that happen in our lives when either family members, neighbors, uh, business associates, friends, uh, or the like, and even spouse, spouses, uh, cause aggravation. Uh, sometimes, sometimes in a continuous way. So, how is one to react in this situation? He says, with extra kindness and love. Meaning, the very negative act itself should provoke extra kindness and more love. Strange reaction. But the Rebbe says, this is what we're supposed to do. And he brings that we're supposed to learn from Yosef. Well, Yosef is a perfect example of that. If ever there was a person that was entitled to rage, and resentment it was Yosef. Yosef suffered horribly from the brothers. I mean, these were his brothers. And they maliciously were ready to kill him. They stripped him naked and threw him into a pit of snakes and scorpions. What kind of dread and fear and what kind of cruelty is that? And then they took him out and sold him as a slave, which in many ways was worse than, worse than death. And he would have been separated and disconnected from the family forever and ever. That meant the end to Yosef. Why? Because we know no slave ever ran away from him. 
You can imagine what kind of feelings Yosef can harbor against his brother. So later when he meets up with them, and now he's in control, and there it is, at his mercy, he doesn't repay them, he doesn't harm them. Instead, he unbelievably acts in such nobility and in such elegance to his brothers. He first of all supports them, he uh, takes care of them and their families, he gives them the most beautiful place in the land to live in, uh, and he even soothes them. He doesn't want them to feel the mental anguish and turmoil, and he explains to them how everything was for the good. He's so caring and so loving to his brothers. But we can say, well, that's Yosef. Yosef is a tzaddik. If anybody has a title, have tzaddik, it's Yosef a tzaddik. But we're talking about a regular people. So the Zohar says that everybody is supposed to follow Yosef's example and live like Yosef. Yosef is the example. We're supposed to be follow Yosef's example. Um, the Zohar actually brings a very interesting story. It's worthy to, to call. This is the Zohar and the Kedachas by and Pasha and Sefer Bereshit Dafreshit Aleph in the Zohar. So the Zohar tells a story like this: that Rabbi Abba, one of the sages of the Zohar, one of the mystics of the times, was standing by the gate of the city of Lud. So I think it was the city of Lud, by the entranceway. And he observed this fellow um, passing by, a traveler, and the guy was very tired. He was looking for a place that he could rest. And off to the side was a mound, a high, and it seemed to be like uh, the mound was quite steep. And on the top of the mountain was this gazebo. So this guy climbs up the, the, this hill or this mound, and he goes into the gazebo, and he sits down to rest. He moves his, uh, his peckle, his backpack, and he sits down, and he falls asleep. And Rabbi sees that moments later, a poison, a venomous snake, comes um, up towards the, this person and is ready to, to, to deliver a, a devastating sting. At the last moment, Mamash, the moment before, a piece of uh, branch of a tree falls down on the snake and it kills the snake, or according to another interpretation, it was an animal that came and killed the snake. This guy, so Rabbi sees an open miracle in front of his eyes. This guy's life was saved. He was, he was, he was inches from death. He was in the seconds from death. So Rabbi continues watching. He sees the guy, unbeknown to him, and he sleeps and he wakes up. And he sees a dead snake next to him. So he thinks, you know, I better get out of here. He takes his, his uh, package and he starts uh, going down the steep slope. He gets down to the bottom. And at that moment, the gazebo collapses on itself and the whole thing comes crashing down and it topples down. And it was clear that had this person still been in the gazebo, he would have probably been killed or at best be severely injured. So Rabamba is completely baffled about this guy who's rolling in miracles. Rabamba comes running over him, and Rabamba says, Tell me, you must be a very special individual. That so many miracles happen. Tell me who you are, what do you do, what are your merits? And the guy says, I'm a simple person, not much. But he said, If anything, I can tell you one thing that I think is maybe unique. He says, I never bear any anger in my heart against anybody. If anybody offends me, if anybody does me, any, anybody wrongs me, I forgive them immediately. And if I can't bring myself for an immediate forgiveness, if it was just too, too painful, then I don't go to sleep at night until I forgive them. And not only that, but from that day on, I am always seeking to do extra favors for this individual. They apologized and they didn't apologize, but I'm always taking care of them. When Rabbi heard that, he starts weeping and he says, Wow, what a person. Even greater than Yosef, because Yosef at least is doing it to his brothers. But this person does this act this way to strength. So the Zohar says we're supposed to learn this way. Interesting, if you look at the Zohar, the Zohar says this is the way tzaddikim act. 
the Alter Rebbe in Tanya recommends this for people that are less than Sadiqim, for Bainanim, for every person. This is the reaction. The question over here is, however, uh, why? What is the what is what is the reasoning for that? I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, don't don't repay an eye for an eye. Don't hurt the other person. Okay, I understand. But the Rebbe says three things. Three things over here. Number one, any thought of anger, any thought of of animosity or 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 or, or uh, resentment, you have to erase. Don't allow that thought even to enter your mind. Number two, he says. To feel kindness and love towards an individual, and then to do favors for this person. What can be the explanation? Why does the person deserve a favor because they hurt me? It seems how do you explain it to yourself, especially when dealing with Chasidus Chabad, the Altered which doesn't only instruct us in certain behaviors, but he transforms our way of thinking. And he gives us the higher um, godlier side of things that help us make that transformation. So over here too, of course, the Alter Rebbe doesn't leave us in the dark. So the explanation is not really here in this parak, but when you go to parak Chavhei in Agaris Hakodesh, and that is in the end of the time, in the last section of the Talmud, in chapter in, in, the, in uh, the 25th letter, in parak Chavhei of Agaris Hakodesh, on Dab Kuflam on the second page, on page 276, the Altar Rebbe says a couple of lines which give us insight into what he's saying over here in Perikid Days. Over there he brings the statement of the sages. I'm going to read again from inside. This will be understood by first prefacing the statement of the sages. What did the sages say? If anybody gets angry, as if the person served idols. And when someone, if, they, if someone loses their temper, the sages compare this person to, and or this or this uh, this this uh, anger to idolatry. Which I mean, the sages are not just comparing things because they want to scare us. They want to uh, they're exaggerating because a person shouldn't get angry. Obviously, if they're comparing something, it's because it really is this way. So we need to understand what is the comparison. Not only don't they seem to be alike, but they're completely different. Getting angry is a character flaw. Um, serving idols is an ideological uh, mistake. So how can we uh, compare the two? What kind of a connection do I have one to the other? So he explains like this. The Hatam. And the reason why we consider someone that gets angry as if they serve um, uh, idols. So movement will be understood. That those who have knowledge or those who have understanding, because at the time when a person is angry, their faith has departed from them. At this moment, they're not connected to their faith. Everybody has faith. The faith is natural. That's another thing that we learn in Tanya, that faith is embedded in every single Jew in his essence, and, 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 and therefore we're all believers. But at this moment that the person is getting angry, the moon has departed from him. Which means they're not conscious of their faith. Because faith and anger don't go together. The faith would contradict the anger, it would diffuse the anger, or even better than that, it wouldn't allow the anger to happen in the first place. Why? Because if the person would really believe, 
that's from God, this came to you. What are you getting angry? You're getting angry at someone that has harmed you, someone has done something wrong. But if the person would believe that that this came to him from Hashem, because Kali wouldn't be angry at all. If we have a moon, what's a moon? A moon is faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. That what? That God exists? More than that. Number one, God exists. Number two, God created the world. Number three, God controls the world. And when Hashem controls the world, He means He controls everything. Not only the huge um, world events, which nation goes to war, or how many hurricanes are they going to be in the Atlantic this year. If Hashem controls the universe, it means He controls every minute little detail of the universe. And therefore, if I get hurt, any kind of hurt, who did it to me? Hashem is the one who did it. And from the smallest, little, most minute thing. No, the sages tell us that ain't no the mic of the boy that a person doesn't stub their toe. Ellen came a reasonable in the mile once they announced it happened. We all have the experience from time to time that we we don't learn a lesson, but we all do this sometimes, you know, we always walk around our own without our shoes. And we knock our we stub our toe against a uh, a table, a wooden table, or a uh, uh, one of the utilities in the house or something like that. And we all know we're we're in excruciating pain, jumping or hopping, and it really hurts. And what's the first thought? I mean, the first thought is, ouch. And what's the second thought as you're processing? You're in pain, you say, oi, it should be a kapot. It's bashev, it hurts me, I know, I deserve it, let it be a kapot. So you realize, as a Jew, you realize that Hashem is the one that did. It didn't, it wasn't just a random thing. If I hurt my toe, it was because Hashem made it happen. You burn your finger trying to take toast out of the toaster. Again, one of our smart things that we keep on doing in our life. And you try to get a toast out, and then you avoid getting burned. But then you get burned. That, that burn, and that is because Hashem decreed that you need that pain, and that's why you got it. And the same is all the pains that ache, so all the occurrences that happen. Good things and bad things that happen in our life. So when they are a result of some natural cause, a tree fell down during the hurricane, and it fell down on my car and it smashed my car. I recognize that one. That it's not the 90 mile per hour winds that destroyed my car. It wasn't the tree that destroyed it. It was Hashem who knocked down the tree onto my car and therefore I, have, I sustained the damage. And the biggest proof is because my neighbor, the next house over, also had his car parked in front of the tree. And the tree and the wind was hitting my tree and his tree in the same strength and here, that tree didn't fall, and this tree did fall. Or that tree fell a little bit off and didn't hit the car, and this one did. My car will lie, because for whatever reason, this has to happen. So that's a moon. We know everything that happens in the world is orchestrated, controlled, and directed by Hashem. So therefore, we have to say, so when you get hurt by someone else, that shouldn't be taken out of that, of that general rule, that everything that happens, Hashem did. And therefore, if I'm getting pain from someone, whether they hit me or hurt me physically, emotionally, or some kind of a financial loss, that too came from Hashem. As he said, that now the alphabet is now bothered by your question. They say, well, that is true again, if it's something that is a cause of pain that's coming from, from, a, from a natural cause. So that we know. Again, we all say Hashem. You know, how many times does it happen to us that we have some plans that we made and then it doesn't work out. We were planning a trip. And then 
right before something happens, we get sick, and we cannot take the flight. We're aggravated. For a while, it takes a while to get over it, and it really bothers us. But in the end, we raise our hands up as a Jew, as a believer, and say, Bashem, I know that I, obviously I wasn't supposed to be by this wedding. I wasn't supposed to go. Who knows what could have happened? Maybe Hashem saved me from something else that would have been much worse. So it's good. I, I didn't go. But that is, again, when it's what it's a natural cross. When it comes to other people, it's much harder to feel that way. Because here's the problem. The problem is that here we're dealing with a human being who has free choice. And the human being that has free choice, meaning Hashem is giving this person some space. He's giving him your restriction. He's saying to him here, I'm giving you and I'm allowing you to make a choice. And not only am I allowing you to make a choice, and I am telling you not to do so and so. I'm telling you not to, not to hit. Like we see this week in the Pasha, Pasha, we just read. It says, Call wicked if you, if, you, if you strike another person. So Hashem says, do not hit him. So you can't, how can you come and say over here and say, this was Hashem's will that I should get this bunch in the nose. When clearly Hashem tells the perpetrator of the action, don't do it. And not only does he tell him not to do it, if he does do it, he punishes him. Which means he's holding him accountable. Which means Hashem is saying that you, you did it because you did it, not because I did it. So then the question is, in this case, how can I come and say that, well, I shouldn't be angry because Hashem did it. Well, no, Hashem didn't do it. Hashem, I didn't want it to happen if my nose is hurting. And Hashem didn't want this person to do it. Hashem didn't want it to happen because he explicitly said in the Torah, this is a violation of his commandment. Hashem said, thou shalt not steal. And Hashem said, don't inflict any pain on another person. So that's his question. And even though we were dealing with a human being, to the person who can make a choice. Mikhailoid curses him, or he strikes him by Masik or he damages his money. And Adam and the person is obligated to be the other by the law of man, and the law of heaven, on his negative choice that he has chosen. So therefore it wouldn't apply that everything comes from Hashem, because this is coming from human beings who have chosen evil. So the Rebbe said, king, nevertheless, here is the very important teaching, on the recipient of this pain, on the one that received this damage, on that person, it was already decreed upon in heaven that they are meant to get that suffering. Meaning, one should not attribute their pain and they're, they're, they're hurt to the result of this person doing it, because no. It's true that if this person punched me in the nose, that my pain is coming from their punch. But what I need to know is like this. Had this person exercised self-control and not delivered the punch, then I personally would have gotten the very things that's in the nose. I would have gotten it somewhere else. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten it from there, but in many ways, because there are many other ways that Hashem can do it, as the answer never continues. And God has many agents. Hashem has infinite possibilities. If for whatever divine reason which we don't understand, someone's nose has to be hurting. There are many ways that the person that can happen. The person can slip on the ice and instantly and hurt their nose. They can trip on the sidewalk and hurt their nose. They can walk by someone can slam the door and hit them in the nose. The person can watch and... Uh, you know, shows us our human uh, fragility um, and quite humbling when there is a very wonderful 
janitorial crew that clean the windows very, very clean that you don't even realize it's a window. And you walk right in and boom, smash. So there are so many ways we don't have to be innovative in which someone's nose can hurt. One of the ways that Hashem makes it possible, when a person needs to have a nose ache, or a bloody nose, one of the ways that Hashem makes it possible is he brings about, he orchestrates an encounter where this person has an encounter with someone who's a Baba hero with a human being in a situation of a confrontation, in a situation where the other person is upset because he took his parking spot, and Hashem puts, at that very moment in which that pain has to come about the person, Hashem gives this individual the opportunity to strike the other and be the agent for that pain. But Hashem clearly tells that individual, I am asking you not to do it. You keep out of it. I want to bring pain on this person. I'm presenting you with the opportunity, but I am asking and I am begging of you, please don't do it. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it, but I'm asking you not to do it. If the person chooses to do it, then they did something bad. And for that, they're hired both the Dine Adam in by the law down here. If there's any kind of injury or pain that they have to pay. Or the Dine Shamayim, they have to do reckoning with God in heaven. But in as much as the recipient of this pain is concerned, they receive the pain not because of a negative choice of this individual. They receive this pain because Hashem was the one who gave it to them. And they would have received it anyway. Therefore, why? Why should someone be angry? What is it to be angry? Obviously, see, person is getting angry. I'm not getting angry because you made a, you did it immoral. You made a bad choice. Because if I'm really the source of my anger is because you did a bad choice, how come I don't get so angry and so enraged at all the other bad choices that you've done? Person is done all the other things. I know I need to make up. Maybe move something. Move such out. Maybe I don't know. Maybe insulted someone else. You don't. Maybe I'm not upset, but I'm not that upset. Obviously, I'm getting it because I feel you offended me. That's opposite of the other one. Because the other one is that a person has that Hashem controls the entire world. He controls everything, every little minute detail. So he's controlling this as well. And this infliction, this pain, came to me from Hashem, so I don't know if he's going And the same as everything. And we gave a martial law, a person striking someone else. Same thing as if you, someone cheats you for money. If someone cheated you out of $100. Whatever it is, how they cheated. If someone robbed you from money. The guy stole $100 from your, from your wallet in the mix-up. Okay? And you're angry because you lost the money. But the yin has to know how my moon it is. And if I'm lacking $100 today because Hashem wanted me to lose that $100, and I would have lost it anyways. I would have parked somewhere. I forgot to put money in the meter or the meter would have expired and I would have gotten a fine of $100. My toilet could have gotten clogged and I would have had to call a plumber and the plumber would have come and it would have cost me $100. I would have parked my car quickly and hit the curb and my tire would have busted and I would have caused me a tire, a new tire, I have to pay $100. There are so many different ways that this I could have lost this money and that I 100% without a shadow of a doubt would have lost that money. One of the ways is, again, Hashem gives this person an opportunity and tells him, Loi signal you don't steal. And if he does, he made a bad choice. But that's between him and Hashem. Between as much as the recipient it is, Allah nigzar, far nigzar men hashamayim, vahar beshbuchen lavokhan, and there are many agents to go. Which is a fascinating idea. That Al-Tarev is saying over here that there is no one in the world, absolutely no one in the world that can harm you. No one can ever harm you. You can never be harmed by a human being because no one has control over your life. If you're getting angry at someone, that's a lack of amuna. That's because, and that's why, why, why he's explaining, that's why it's compared to, to idol worship. Because what's, what's serving an idol? 
You're attributing power to someone that's not God. And in this case, this person is also contributing power to some other being other than God that someone has to say in what's happening in this world. Someone can cause something in this world besides Hashem, and that is that individual. In other words, you're really making the recipient of your anger, you're making them an idol, and you're worshipping them, giving them credit for something they haven't done, but they have no power to do it. And if it was not Hashem's will that you should get hurt, and then even if they would have intended it, like many times people intend and they want to hurt someone, they throw a punch and the punch misses, even though they did an immoral choice. The, the recipient wasn't meant to get it. That's what it missed. Or a bullet missed its pocket. Or the gun jammed. But this is an incredible teaching. No one in the world can harm any person. Any harm or anything that happens to any human being comes directly from Hashem but no one else. And this is a big thing. When it comes, Hashem, to the loss of life, if a person took someone else's life, accidentally or intentionally, as Amunah, believers, we have very challenging and difficult, and no one should be tested with this. But the Amunah is that if a person's life came to an end because their life was supposed to come to an end at this time, and there are many ways the person could have lost their life, could have been some other accident, could have been a heart attack, could have been an illness, could have been so many other ways. And one of the ways is Hashem sadly brings this person into the pathway of someone who's. Uh, challenged with some kind of a rage and some kind of an anger and goes ahead and perpetrates a murder. But not Hasrashalim for one second to believe that that human being, because of their because of their sour mood or because of their rage, can infringe on another human being and stop a human being's life. A human being that is created by God and here on a godly mission is not so vulnerable and so fragile that any person that is experiencing road rage or any kind of anger can, can jeopardize God's plan. God forbid. If a person died, they would have died then in some other way. Of course, we can't imagine it and we can't always understand how. But that's what would have happened. And therefore, there is no reason for rage at the end of it. Because it's not that. It was the Abish that did. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, in the case that we said before, when someone stole money from you, it doesn't mean that to let him get away with the Geneva. Of course, you have to go to the, you, you, you have to go to the, the, the court and ask for the money back. Well, if you lose, the same would be if you lose money. If you lose money on the street. So what are you supposed to do? You say, well, Hashem wanted you to lose. No, if you lost money on the street, you should go back on the street and search for it. If you find the money, that will be a, that will be a proof that Hashem Hashem's denial was that you should only have a little aggravation to lose it for ten minutes, lose it for half an hour. If you don't find it, that's an indication that you were supposed to lose it for a longer time. So the same with those. If someone stole money and you have a way to get it back by taking them to court, of course you have to do that. If you'll get it back, it's a sign that the the decree of God is only for a short time. And if you didn't get it back, it's a sign that it was meant to be lost forever. But that's in terms of doing whatever you can to get the money back. But in terms of rage and resentment. The Altar Rebbe says there's no reason for that. There's no place for that. Now, we'll take it a step further. Take this concept a step further. And that is, because this only explains why the first part that was said earlier in Perkin Days, not to have resentment, not to have anger against the other individual. But he said more than that. He said one should restore the, the, the hate, the, 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 the wrong, the person that has wronged you, and respond to them with love. And respond to them with kindness. How does that work? And what would be the reason? 
See, when one takes this idea a little further, it first recognizing that it wasn't this person, but it came to be from Hashem. And then I take the step a step further. If Hashem is doing it, then I have to reevaluate what happened. Because if it was done to me by a human being, so then there's two possibilities. Either it's good or it's bad, or it's a mixture, three possible, or it's a mixture, because a person has a good side to him, and it's a Yetzirah, and therefore they could be following the Yetzirah and doing what they person has an evil side, and it could be they're doing what the Yetzirah wants. And the person has a, a uh, or sometimes it's a mixture of good and bad, right? But when Hashem is doing something, Hashem doesn't have a Yetzirah. Hashem doesn't have an evil inclination. So Hashem is perfectly good with utter perfection of goodness. So if Hashem is doing something to me, it's because Hashem, it must be good, because God is only capable of good. He created the world out of the desire for goodness. The world was built on chesed. The entire project from the beginning to the end is all chesed. It's kindness. So what, what happened, what Hashem is doing, is a good thing. Because Hashem only does good. So if I received some kind of a pain in my life, if I know that it wasn't this person that did it, and therefore it's bad, but I know that it, it, it came my way because this is what Hashem wanted, and Hashem is good, so obviously that which happened is a good thing. Now how do we understand that it's a good thing? I mean, after all, it's painful. After all, it hurts. Well, for that, uh, we learn other places, and there's a long explanation in Tanya chapter 26, in which the author really explains the theme and the, and the idea of Gamzul with This too is for the good. Everything that God does is for the good. And the explanation is very briefly is that there are two types of good. Sometimes there is a good that is perceivable, understandable by limited creation. And sometimes God is doing to the acting with the person with such a good, a goodness on a godly scale that a human being can't comprehend. It's too big for the person's mind. And therefore, to the recipient, it looks like pain, it looks like a negative thing. It's a blessing in disguise. We all know with our children, um, women for sure will identify with this and those fathers that help their wives, even in such uh, situations when you have a child and uh, the baby needs a diaper change. Sometimes the baby's been sitting in the soil diaper for a while, and they have a rash. And it's pain, and, and as a parent, you need to uh, remove the soil diaper and clean the baby up, and you rack it, the baby's shrieking in pain because they have their, their, they have this raw skin. And as a parent, you're cringing, but you're doing your work, which to the child looks like the biggest cruelty, but from your end, you're doing the greatest kindness for your child. So sometimes Hashem is doing something and He's cleaning us up and it hurts and it seems to be terrible but it's really a good thing. Sometimes it's just not, it's not a cleansing. Sometimes it's just we're just not seeing the whole picture. Sometimes a person loses their job and they think the world has ended and the worst thing, the worst day in their life but in the end as a result of them not having a job they look around and they start their own business and become very successful or they get a much better job. So life is always that way full of surprises. So what seems to be bad is really good. So, that, so if I know that what, what, what is being done to me was done to me by Hashem, and that Hashem is good, I mean that that experience that up till now I thought was so terrible and so painful, in which I had resented to this individual, first of all, I disconnected them from my life. I recognized they have no control over my life. It's coming from Hashem. And secondly, thinking into it deeper, suddenly my attitude is changing from, from, from pain and hurt to a feeling of, wow, 
something good, right, happening. And where is it coming from? It's coming from a, from a source that is pure good. And that source has, has my best intentions in mind. That source loves me more than my mother, more than my father, more than my grandmother, more than any person in the world because Hashem loves me with infinite love. And He is specifically, not distracted with anything else, Hashem is leading my life and He got involved right now to bring this thing on me, especially when it's a change, when it's a version. So you see that Hashem is now acting out of the ordinary with me and Hashem is good. So what is being done is, the, is a goodness. So I'm happy. I'm thrilled. With this, that was, which was once pain, is now, on, on a deeper level, experienced as goodness. And then, comes step number three. And then when I realize that after everything is, everything is said and done, who was the one who was instrumental in bringing me that good? Who was the one who delivered that good? It was this individual. True, they made a bad choice. And true, they had bad intentions and malicious intentions and they wanted to hurt me. But again, that has nothing to do with me. After, it was Hashem that did it. And this person was the agent of Hashem to deliver me this extra goodness. Shouldn't I feel thankful to them? This is a result of this, of this, of this reasoning. We come back to Perikid Bays and a person can respond to people that cause them aggravation but I really have to thank you. You have done something nice for me. But your intentions are irrelevant. But to me, you've done something wonderful. You've done something good. So, in a sense, you know, this, this, this really revolutionizes everything. Revolutionizes everything. I mean, if, if I understand this correctly, please, uh, you can send your, uh, please, for those who are listening, uh, send me the feedback. On, on this, if you understood the Tanya this way. But I think we can characterize this and, and to um, define this as something like this. Um, the Rebbe is saying, the Alta Rebbe is saying really three things. Uh, one following the other, which gives us a whole entire new definition on good and evil in the world. And that is as follows. Number one. Number one is that no one in the world has any control over anybody Every single thing that happens in the world is done by Hashem. That's number one. Everything. From the, from the, from the greatest things happening uh, on, a, on, a, uh, on a universal scale to the most minute subatomic particles is being done by Hashem. Including human activities. Including actions that human beings, that human beings do. Do even moral actions. Actions that involve that, that, that involve a person's moral choices, even that is being done by Hashem. So every single thing in the universe, from when the world was created, from the nations, but other kindness, the Shemayim, the Sahara, until today, in the year 5773, until today, every single thing that happened in the world was done by Hashem. Point number two Hashem is good. And therefore, everything he does is good. That means from the day the world was created until the present day, only good things happened. Never, if you add it together. If everything in the world is done by God, and if Hashem is only good, and everything that he does is correct, but it is correct and good, 
that in every single thing that ever happened in the world, everywhere, from the beginning of time to the end of time, it's only good. There was never a bad moment in the world. That's point number two. Point number three, we come to a question. So what's the whole story with evil? What's the whole story with good and bad in the world? We know there's powers of, of krechus atuma, powers of impurity, powers of evil in the world. How do we define good and bad? What's with evil? If everything in the world is good. And the answer is something like this. That, how would we define from this perspective good and evil? When God is doing something, when Hashem is doing something, and obviously it's a good thing because Hashem does good, in which Hashem asks us of, asks of us to lend him a hand and to help him do that good thing, Hashem is asking us, please, Help me do this good thing. Then, that is good. For instance, Hashem says in this corner there is a homeless person. He has a meeting for days. I want to feed him. And Hashem says to the person, please help me feed that individual. I'd like to give him a sandwich. And the person goes ahead. He doesn't give him money because he doesn't know what he's going to use the money for. But he says, I'll buy him a sandwich. And he goes and buys him, buys him a sandwich. So then, you've done something. You've done goodness. You've done a kindness. And when you look at this person and you look into their eyes and you thought, you know, when you gave that sandwich, you don't know if they would have made it through the cold night. Had they not eaten. And you feel good. You feel wonderful. You feel like you saved a life. You've done an act of goodness and plus you've saved a life. So first of all, you have to know. Even though, of course, you were God's agent to save a life. But you, you're not. It's not because you gave him the sandwich that he's alive. If this person is meant to live and, to be, and that they shouldn't be starving, they would have gotten the food. They would have gotten enough. You wouldn't give them the sandwich and someone would have walked by with their groceries and drop the bag, maybe with a sandwich, and they would have eaten that food, and they would have had it. Whether you get it, there's so many ways that Hashem could bring that person food. But you were an agent, you are Hashem's hand, in order to bring that, you've done a good thing, and you and, and that's considered goodness. That's, that's, so when Hashem is doing something good, and He asks us to assist Him, that's goodness. When Hashem is doing something good, good, but he tells us, please don't help me in doing it. And yet, we go and we lend our assistance when Hashem says, don't worry, I can do it myself. I don't want you to participate. I don't want you to be my partner in this. And we become partners and we do do that which Hashem asks us not to assist him in the good thing that he's doing. Then, that is evil. Hashem says that this person needs to lose money for a good reason. Because Hashem has taken away money from that person, it's for a good reason. But Hashem says, I, I can take the money from him the way I would like, and I don't want you to assist me. And yet, we are assisting Hashem in that act. That is evil. But that's only evil on our part. In terms of some, nothing evil happened in the world, even though this person perpetrated evil. Hashem says, I want to bring pain. I want this person to have some kind of emotional pain for whatever good reason. And I'm asking you, please don't help me deliver that pain. And the person comes along and says something insulting something degrading to this human being and causes them that pain. So then that is evil because even though what happened was a good thing, but Hashem said, don't help me. And of course, when it comes to taking a life, Hashem says, well, he said, that don't help me. And if we do, that is evil. But this whole idea that we're learning over here is so liberating. It's so freeing. And of course, it's very hard to implement it in the big things of life. When we have rage and anger against someone that really hurt us, 
but we could put it into practice when it comes to the little to the little uh, aggravations that we have in our home with our spouse, with our children, with our close people, and which our regular reaction is either to either to teach them a lesson or to to be angry and frustrated, walk around with a sour face the whole day because our wife or said something to us. And with this this idea of the Tanya is so liberating. Our blood pressure goes down. Hashem li mayasa li other. Hashem is with me. What can a person do? Oh, no one can hurt me. I'm only in Hashem's hands. Everything that's happening is all the time good. This attitude will improve our relationships. Because you know, then, then there's no agitation. There's no... Uh, and always, you know, if someone does something bad, they respond with good. You know, but after a while, they're not going to do it anymore. So the whole, the whole person's life is good. This is really, really special. May Hashem gives us the ability to implement this teaching and this lesson in our lives and through our relationships. Make the world a better place one little bit at a time. We'll merit the coming of Mashiach. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.